Good morning, everybody. It is, what is today? God, March 27th already? Right. March 27th, 2022. Here you, ha here you have the CC and JT Amateur Hour, where production values go to <laughs> die. <laughs> that was an interesting sound effect. Yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to do some production values, so I pretended there was a fart. So oh, is that what really that well. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So high level, high class. Very, very, yeah. Uh, I'm so yeah. ashamed of myself. No, you're uh, not. Okay, across the table for me is CC. And across from me is JT. For those of you that are new to the experience, we are two boomers who have been published as independent writers. And being an independent writer means that you do pretty much everything the same thing that real writers do, except without the submissions and stuff. But we do the writing, we do the editing, we do the book covers, we do everything. So while we may not be particularly successful, those days are coming. Uh, some We have gone through the cycle of writing and publishing books. So what we're here to do, as we do every week, is we're trying to share our experiences in one way or the other. This week we're going to go off, sort of go off course, and we're going to talk about mm, something different. Like everything in the human experience, and whether you like it or not, there are social castes when it comes to certain things. And writing is no different. Writing is absolutely no different. I don't know this for a fact, but I am sure those that have hardcover books look down on folks like us who are independent publishers, or perhaps don't take us as maybe equals. Uh, even though we have done quite a bit of work, we haven't gone through, of course, we haven't paid the same dues as somebody perhaps who's published several hard hardback books. That's just the nature of things. So you're basically what you're talking about is the traditional publishing route versus the independent publishing route. Yep. And the stigma around independent publishing, independent publishing has lessened over the years. I remember about 20 years ago talking to a writer friend of mine, and she was insistent that she would never ever, ever self-publish a book. But that was just at the cusp where independent publishing was really starting to take off. Now she does nothing but independently publish, and I think she's fairly successful. So there, But there still is, as you mentioned, a stigma because when you're independently publishing, you're not going through the, the gatekeeping system of traditional publishing where you have to, uh, at this point, you have to get a an agent before really you can even start submitting. There was a time when you could at least try to submit on your own and then maybe get an agent later. I think those days are long gone. So there's a very different system to traditional publishing versus independent publishing. So we're talking about the inner orbits of writing right now. So we're gonna what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the outer orbits of writing. And we're going to, we're, we need to, of course, you know, frame this because we're not, you know, we're not looking down on it or anything like that because the, the passion and energy uh, that is throughout our industry, you know, from traditional independent and to this third party uh, is, is present and perhaps even more so. And what I'm talking about is fan fiction, fanfic. Uh, fanfic is a online thriving community encompassing millions of people tapping the, the keyboard. I've I've been tempted to dabble in it too, it, because it's relatively I don't want to say easy, but it's easy. It can be easier because the characters are established, framework is established, and so on and so forth. And we're going to talk about some examples of that today. But I wanted to go start off right off by saying right from the get go is fanfic folks are as real as any other writer in the universe. Totally real. 
they have to they go through many of the same struggles many of the same same stresses etc so it i think that to put them in a lower level is a serious injustice because it doesn't acknowledge the passion and the energy the thoroughness the thoughtfulness of what it takes to be a well-known fan fiction writer and you have some experience with this cc most of my experience is with this really because one of the things i've been learning in the last few years is that the problem with my original fiction is that i've spent most of my life writing stories based on other people's characters other people's universes and trying to create that framework for myself to the point where I'm comfortable enough with it to live in it and write about it has been a struggle. I think I'm almost at the point I've been living in my personal universe for at least internally for the last few years, but the, the fan fiction. So this goes back probably very early childhood and fan fiction does long predate the internet too. This is not something that's new. People have been writing fan fiction forever. I'm sure people wrote fan fiction for Shakespeare, you know, or if not write, they verbally said, well, you know, this play would have been better if this, that, and the other thing had happened. You know, maybe Hamlet didn't do this, he did that. And uh, that's kind of where you're coming from in the fan fiction arena. Fan fiction is what is what may be called as a serious form of, of flattery. Yes. Because it's imitation. And I'm sure that, and in Hollywood, that happens all the time. So, and but not even, even even what you were saying, let's go back even to the Elizabethan age when we were talking about Dickens who wrote about, you know, about social injustice through impoverished children. I bet people read that and they went off on that and, went their, and wrote their own stuff. So yeah, fan fiction has been around in one form or another. And especially when thinking it, imitation is the serious form of flattery or imitation is the sincerest form of earning a buck. And fan fiction authors normally do not earn money because they modern, are modern fan modern fiction fan because, fiction because there's a well, whole lot of copyright and trademark and stuff going on there. that is a good point because we talk about hollywood for example how many times have shakespeare's plays been redone uh clueless shakespeare in love well, you can just go on and 10 on. things i hate about you that's the one i was trying to think of which i really adore i love that movie and those are kind of a form of fan fiction because they are a rewritten, a revised version of someone else's original work. And honestly, Shakespeare, he was not completely original. He was cribbing off other people. It is normal to adapt other people's ideas. You know, it's like, oh, this is a great idea, but what if this happened? And there are two different paths you can take. There is the, what Hollywood has been doing is like churning out reboots of things but in the fan fiction arena, it's more of people who really, really love a story and they want to delve deeper into it. Well, let's, let's talk just a little very quickly because you mentioned Shakespeare and two of his most famous works, Hamlet and Macbeth, or the, you know, the play that with no name. Or the Scottish play. The Scottish play. Are both le were both legends at the time of Shakespeare. So what he did is he, he put those to paper. And so that is retelling a story, whereas fan fiction, I think the, the key word is fan someone is a fan of someone else's work and what they want to do is extrapolate it. They want to add details or they want to take it in a, another direction, sometimes directions which we'll talk about, which are not <clears throat> extremely uh, palatable, shall we say? I'm going to use a 10-ton a, a word there, 
palatable. <laughs> That's a good word. Um, let's, let's move up to modern era. Yes. Modern era. Let's go back to the 1960s because the 1960s Star Trek became really popular. Maybe not as popular on television with the classic Trek as it was later, you know, as people got older and, you know, actually started working in that environment. But it was written with some Shakespearean themes too. Some of the it early was. But, but anyway, Star Trek... Wait, wait, wait. Hi, Bill. How you doing? <laughs> but Star Trek, the whole wagon train to the stars, Gene Roddenberry and everything, there was a lot of fanfic. And I think people at that point may even have been doing mimeographed, and if you don't know what that is, look it up, kids. Mimeographed versions, like a, almost like a paper newsletter version of they would write these stories and they would compile them and they would, you know, pass them around to their friends, which predates the internet you know now you just put it online and anybody can read it but the star trek had a thriving thriving fan fiction community and some of the fan fiction writers worked in it enough and became so familiar with it that they actually ended up working on the show or they ended up later writing uh, novelizations of the star trek universe tv tie-ins so fan fiction can evolve into traditional publishing in some ways but at that time, people were really starting to share their fan fiction more widely. And some of that is the reason that Star Trek actually was brought back later, because the fans were so rabid and they loved the characters and the themes and the stories so much that they wanted to continue to develop that universe. So that is kind of where more modern fan fiction writing is coming from. And this has happened progressively more often as the internet has expanded everyone's universe. Modern fan fiction, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's still a thing because obviously it's a .net, but there used to be a fanfiction.net where you could go and you could put your various different types of fan fiction out there for people to read. And then people would comment it, you know, and they would rate it. So you'd have this many likes, this many dislikes in it. People with a lot of likes would start rising through the ranks and become more popular and write more fan fiction, became more well-known. It's been a very vibrant community. And we have to, we have to do, and I mentioned it earlier, but we need to mention it again, you know, about protected works, protected works. And maybe that's one of the other differences with fan fiction versus independent writing and so on and so forth is things like Star Trek, Harry Potter, and all of those other um, thousands and thousands of works are correctly protected and i want to i want to make sure i frame this correctly they are correctly protected by trademark law because people did pour their passion into it they did go through the hoops of becoming recognized becoming uh guild members and so on and so forth so they should be paid for their work if somebody took my book someone took your books and started making money off it you and i would lose our minds because we did the work so we want to make sure that we are we are fans of fan fiction, but we are also fans of protected rights, and that may not be that's probably a pretty hot topic amongst the fan fiction community. But my feeling is that if someone has devoted lifeblood to this particular project, uh, they should be paid for their work. Now again, I I know that's not popular. Oh well deal <laughs> that's that's my opinion that's where you get into intellectual property law and right. we are not experts in that in any means right. 
Um, there's also the difference between plagiarism, where you basically file off the numbers, put your own name on it, and you're just reproducing. And that has happened with self-publishing, where people have just taken somebody's name and title off of a book. The book itself is unchanged. They put their own title and name on it and republish it. That is outright plagiarism, and that's theft. You know, that's Fan fiction mm -hmm. is an adaptation. It's mm -hmm. a nuanced retelling, or it's an expansion on a universe. So you're not stealing somebody's idea. You're building on it. But that also, you usually don't do it for money. You're right. doing it for fun. You're doing it, as you said, it's a sincere form of flattery because you love that work so much. And the other issue with fan fiction is the original author. There are two camps. There are people who are absolutely over the moon that somebody loves their work enough to actually, you know, go back and talk about it more. And it's also a form of marketing for them. So they're getting free marketing of their regular works. And then there are other authors who are like, don't touch my stuff. I don't want you doing anything with my characters. Leave Hello. them alone. Hello, J.K. Rowling. How are you doing out there, by the way? Oh, but but there is a thriving, thriving fan fiction community based around Harry Potter. And that's when you start getting into ships yeah. and ship wars and like Draco Harry. And, you know, yeah. it gets very interesting and very... Um, non-family oriented at some points yeah, that way but so we but we just want to frame things of course that it, it is fan fiction is a, is a salute it, it is something that uh, it's basically a love letter you know in a way but that love letter and that salute stops when somebody starts looking for money off other people's work and as you said intellectual property we're not experts but we uh but there, that that is the line that cannot be crossed uh out of respect to the process when people start crossing that line those of us who are fan fiction writers those of us who do dabble it makes it harder for us to to present our works on a free basis because then we do have lawyers looking for people and start uh, chasing after people uh, people who have the best of intentions to do that salute to show that love for the work so, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not wagging my finger and I'm not trying to lecture, but it's just, it's a reality that, hey, respect intellectual copyright laws and don't, don't cross that line if you, if you can avoid it. I think the one thing about intellectual property law that I might be somewhat certain about is that most works are protected for 70 years. And then if you don't renew the production, they go into the public domain, at which point they're open season. Yeah. So I believe, and there is also the fair use policy. If you're using something, it, you can take um, quotes out of intellectual works for um, review purposes or for educational purposes. If you're writing something like a paper about a historical uh, textbook or something, that's there are a lot of different legal ways to use things. But you have to be very, very careful about how you do it. Or yeah. you will be getting that letter, the cease and desist, pull this down right now, or we're going to sue the pants off you. Yeah, the word you're looking for, citation. Cite yes. Your work, cite your works. Because, oh, yes. And right. that's, you know, that's a totally different um, educational, historical, like actual historical, not historical fiction. You have to be very, very careful to cite the source material, especially because if you are developing a specific idea out of a larger work it gives the person who's reading it the opportunity to go back and see more of how that was developed on that side 
Okay, so we're gonna we've we've done all the doom and gloom part of this thing. Uh, let's talk about the love of fan fiction, and let's talk about the execution of fan fiction, and so on and so forth, the, the, the nitty gritty stuff. Because when we sort of kind of did it, um, and we sort of kind of explained why fan fiction is popular, because it takes an existing universe, existing rules, existing characters, existing settings, existing topics, and so on and so forth, and it gives the fan fiction writer the opportunity to build on that. And this is probably one reason why fan fiction writers are kind of looked down upon because there are those that have done universes and, and done them from scratch and been totally inspired from scratch. Whereas the fan fiction person is taking somebody else's ideas and picking them up and running. And you, I, I swing either way on that one. Yeah, it's like, you know, as, as long as someone's writing, as long as somebody's putting, you know, words on, on a screen, more power to you. I can see the other argument, though, as well. If you're working so hard to build on this universe, why aren't you doing your own universe? And, of course, many fan fiction writers do do that. But, I, but is it a cheat? Is it a cheat? I'll, you know, I'll throw that at you. Is it a cheat? I consider it more of an apprenticeship because you are learning valuable grammatical skills. You're learning editorial skills. You're learning how to take a review because sometimes fan fiction as you mentioned, is very hot in either direction, and you can get some really negative reviews on your fan fiction. So I think of it in some cases as a an apprenticeship where you're learning the trade, which is what you're doing, you know, in certain jobs. You get the job, you don't know anything about it, so you're following someone else around and doing what they do until you figure out how to do it on your own. And that's kind of, that's my thought process you know, it may never get to the point where somebody does their own writing professionally, and that's fine too. It's a fun hobby. You know, it's a way of just um, expanding your mind, you know, keeping your mind fresh, and you're still honing those skills grammatically, and which you may be using in your day job, or you, you know, if you're a teacher, or if you're a student, you know, there are a lot of different reasons that you might want to keep those skills fresh. And Language evolves over time, so it helps keep you fresh in that way, too, because you're keeping up with current language, current terminology. Um, you know, there are no longer two spaces after a period. <gasps> it's taken me forever to stop doing that. But, you know, with the advent of the Internet, space is key. And you don't put those two spaces after the... I know, I know, believe me, I know. So, you know, or how to properly use a semicolon or an ellipsis or, you know, any of that. So... There is a lot of value, I think, to being a fan fiction writer. Yeah, no, you're totally, totally, totally right. And I agree with everything you said 100%, especially with the idea that if you want to be a successful writer, you got to write every day. You got to write, you got to write, you got to write. And fan fiction is a, is a good way to do that because it does give the shortcuts needed with the, the, the already built universe. And you're right. The, gra the, the grammatical tools that need to be exercised every day in order to be used correctly is so important. I especially like your point on feedback because sometimes people do all sorts of writing and then they don't go anywhere with it. They just, you know, they, it's all, they internalize it. They just don't do anything with it. They don't put it out there because they're afraid of criticism. And they want to, and one thing they hide behind is, well, I want to make sure everything's perfect. I want to make everything, you know, perfect from top to bottom. Folks, perfectionism is an excuse to escape criticism. Get over it. Get out there. Put your stuff out there. Be brave. 
are you going to be criticized? You should be lucky to be criticized. You should be lucky to be noticed. Because people put stuff out there all the time. I'm speaking as an expert. People put, <laughs> stuff out, people put stuff out there all the time and it does not get noticed. It does not get seen. So if you're getting noticed, kudos. You did something. There's a civil rights cliche from the 1960s, which fits it perfectly. If they're shooting at you, you're doing something right. So kudos to you if you're getting noticed, if you're getting criticized. Grow an extra layer of skin. Look at the criticism, strip away the emotion. Look at the criticism without the emotion. Look at what they're saying. If they're saying, hey man, you just shook because you don't have any idea what you're doing. That's not helpful. You shook because you forgot that Harry Potter had the scar over his left eye than his right eye. That's actually valid criticism. That's actually reasonable criticism. Though I don't know if JK ever said where the scar was. But that's valuable criticism because you, you missed an important small detail about the Harry Potter universe. So strip away the emotion and dig into the criticism. Now, do you want to talk about your, your, your more, I want to say, professional level fan fiction? Well, and that's something that I can actually talk about somewhat knowledgeably because, as I mentioned, a lot of my experience has been adapting someone else's work for something. Just started out for my own pleasure in my own head, but evolved into me being a stay-at-home mom of very small kids really needing to do something with my brain. And, you know, kids are physically tiring, but sometimes your brain is just out there in the ether. And um, I have watched a lot of television and movies and read a lot. And there were things that I really felt close to, like Star Trek, for example, and on the table before me, I actually have an exhibit from when I was writing a lot. And to give it a little background, at that time, it was Star Trek The Next Generation. So it was the 1980s. Um, Paramount Studios. Yes, it was what? No, I think it's the 1990s. No, well, no, 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 no. Oh, right. It, it was 1980s. I remember. We, we were, were in. Housing and we yes. Then. You're right. Yes. 1980s. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> right. Sorry. So at this time, now I mentioned before that normally you have to have an agent to submit things in various places. And in this case, based on the history of Star Trek, they did allow some submissions with an unagented submissions. So you could do it. Um, I did it a lot. <laughs> I submitted a lot of Star Trek scripts and I have I found in a drawer a copy of one it's all typed up uh, I think I, I can't remember if I did this on a typewriter or a computer this one was a computer so this was a later one they started to recognize my name because I submitted so often and they said okay um, we appreciate your submissions but I think from now on you need to have representation before you submit anything else so I was a little rabid about it uh, it didn't get me anywhere in the Star Trek universe, but, you know, it didn't stop me from continuing to write fan fiction, so to speak, because none of it was actually accepted for use by the original property. Uh, the one case where I became very, very close to actually getting published and switching from fan fiction more to the professional aspect of it was um, with Quantum Leap. In the That was in the 1990s. And um, I had, again, no agent. 
I, and this is something else to watch out for. If an agent approaches you and they ask you for money up front, don't do it. That's not how agents work. You usually have to submit to agents just the same way you would to publishers, and they will not ask you for money up front. So just a warning, be careful because there are people out there who say they're agents and they will, you know, give me this much money and we'll evaluate your manuscript and tell you whether or not we'll represent you. So be careful. But at I was still unagented. I was submitting to um, a well-known publisher. It was a TV novelization tie-in program. And I got to the point where I actually met with the editor had one or two of my manuscripts that were on the stack for potential publication. The program ended, the tie-in novelizations ended, and you know I was close to the top of the stack and that was the end of that. So that's kind of a path to being traditionally published for a lot of people. And that became huge with Star Trek novels because there, if you ever looked I don't know if it's still the case, but there were so many. There were Classic Trek, there were TNG, Discovery, uh, you know, um, Deep Space Nine, any version of Star Trek that's been on television or in the movies or anything, there's usually some kind of novelization tie-in to it. So that's kind of where my experience came in. And it's, and it's all good experience because it helped you lay your foundation for your ongoing works that you're doing now. So, And I remember those times and I remember those stressful times. And um, you know, I hope I supported you. <laughs> I hope I supported you. But there was a there were a lot of things going on in our life at that time. And the thought that you were grinding out manuscript after manuscript after manuscript uh, is is admirable. And this again was pre-internet time, so you were you know that you said you were doing it on a computer, but it was a very basic computer Rudimentary. at the time. So it was it was not something like okay well i can whip this out and i can post it to reddit or something like that and then you know, run cuz you know listen kids back in those days when we wrote a story we had to do it in 6 feet of snow <laughs> well and the other exhibit i have here in front of me which i also found tucked away recently is an envelope from the walt disney company with the cool walt disney logo and you know disney fans will know exactly what i'm talking about and that one I actually had submitted, again, it was a version of a television show. At that point, Disney had purchased ABC, and the show Roseanne was really popular. We used to watch it a lot. And um, Disney had a fellowship program, and I submitted a spec script for Roseanne to their fellowship program. was rejected, but actually it wasn't such a bad thing. Um, it was a very nice rejection letter, and I kept the letter in the envelope because, you know, it's cool Walt, Walt Disney stuff, and I still have the script, too. So, you know, this stuff, it was a lot of my um, apprenticeship, I guess, as a writer. I do a lot of writing and um, kind of creative stuff for my day job, and I think this, my night job, has helped my day job in that way. Yeah, writing every day... Uh... Writing every day does not is not a bad thing. Writing every day is not a bad thing. It's it's absolutely essential, and uh, to use the toolkits to keep fresh on the toolkits and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can tell from this from this podcast so far, folks, is that yeah, we are fans of the fan fiction, of the fan fiction experience. Uh, we are fans of taking other folks' universe and with appropriate with appropriate behavior and appropriate uh, guidelines, you know, taking advantage of it, 
And like you said, um, there are some folks that go in often interesting directions. I'm using the word interesting, depending on your taste. But they go right. on interesting directions with ships, basically, you know, creating relationships that don't appear in the mainline, uh, mainline document. For example, uh, instead of Harry and Jenny, Harry and Hermione, or Harry and Draco, and so on and so forth. Uh, so... A lot of there's a lot of fan fiction going in that direction. Explicit. Fan it fiction. can get very explicit, and there are sites that aren't easily found. That uh, people will kind of um, they share the links among themselves, but they don't broadcast them broadly for various reasons. One of them is that maybe the original creator doesn't like fan fiction and they're hiding it from them even though the creator probably knows they just don't want to deal with looking for everything. But some of that, uh, the whole ship, the intense shipping where it's very graphic, some of that is hidden so that, you know, they want to make sure it stays within the appropriate audience. Yeah, and that's, and this is the part, the part of the uh, intellectual property thing that I don't know is that if someone doesn't, doesn't make a profit off it, doesn't earn money off it, can someone take the work and start, you know, typing just stories and just sharing it amongst friends without the original creator getting involved and so on and so forth? I don't know that. It, it, there's probably, I suppose if, I, if, if any lawyer were listening to this podcast, the answer would be, it depends. Yeah, I think it depends on how much the original creator is against it, you know, if they really want to push it. But if you think about the sheer volume of fan fiction that's out there, you cannot physically go after every single person. So they would, in some cases, they might go after the more prolific, well-known people, and then it will end up in the media and you'll hear about it. Like this person was told that, you know, they can no longer do this and they got the cease and desist letter. And, you know, so it does happen. I haven't heard about it happening recently, but I heard about it happening a few years ago, and it, that's right, a, that's a minefield because it is that's a minefield for the owner of the of the intellectual property because, excuse me, because if they start going after people, then other people are going to take that as inspiration, and basically what you're doing is, is you chop the you chop the head off the snake, and three more heads appear, so it's it may not be worth worth the effort, like you said. Uh, it, it's it, it's just you know it's just may not be worth it. It just may not be worth it. But the flip side of that, and I'm going back to what I said earlier. Hey, at least you're being noticed. Yes, and I don't understand the authors who are so against. I mean, no, none of us want our work to be ripped off. We don't want to be plagiarized. We don't want somebody making money off of all the direct work that we've done. But if they're taking a character of mine and they're writing stories about it, heck, I would probably read it and I'd go, oh, well, that was a good idea. You know, yeah. why didn't I think of that? And I would enjoy it for what it was meant to be instead of being mad about it. So is there anything about fan fiction that we missed here? Because I think we pretty much got it. We, do, we are fans of fan fiction. We've read it. We've done it. Uh, we appreciate it. And we, we encourage folks to do it, if only from, as you said, the apprenticeship point of view, to, to get out there and use those tools to get noticed and to get feedback to improve the writing. Because as I always say, every stinking podcast host, feedback makes us better. Feedback makes us better. So did we pretty much hit everything on this? I think we did. I think we did too. So I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, but by, by saying that if you are a 
creator of fan fiction, you have our admiration, especially if you have been noticed, especially if you've done something which has gotten you feedback. And if you have done fan fiction, but you have not put it out there, we ask you consider putting it out there because uh, it will make you a better writer and you may learn ideas and have uh, received positive criticism to improve your work. Plus, you'll be sharing something that someone else might find very enjoyable. Someone might actually take your fan fiction and go off on a tangent with that. So that can be a lot of fun, too. It's almost like playing a game. Build a community. Yes, the community is important. Build a community. Mm -hmm. You know, no writer stands alone. No. Even though writing is a solitary function, it's, it's successful when it builds and creates a community. And it can lead to a lot of really fun lifetime friendships, even if you never meet in person. Yeah, absolutely. So go for it. I think we've pretty much driven this into the ground. So we'll talk about uh, the some housekeeping stuff, or as I like to call it, commercial. Uh, if you can re- hear this podcast and other podcasts on our website at www.carsonhume.com. Uh, we have a lot of podcasts out there. I think we're like, this is like oh, pretty close to our one year anniversary. So if you guys... Uh, want to peruse that podcast page for ideas, go for it. Well, this is absolutely probably podcast 56 or 57 on this side. It's getting up there. Uh, I also have a patreon.com forward slash JT Hume. I'm doing some podcasts over there on how I'm creating my current book with Tucci. I've uh, made those podcasts public so you can hear how that all is being pulled together. Go ahead and take a listen out there and have a look. And I'm trying to think, is there anything else in the commercial that we need? I don't think we have anything really planned coming up. Things are, we're in a lull period of things. So, um, you know, tune in. We should have another podcast for you next Sunday. We don't know for sure what that topic might be. If you have any suggestions, we'll be happy to hear those. Otherwise, like you said, we have a lot out there. I think actually March is our one year anniversary of podcasting. Ooh, party, 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 party. So yay us. Yay <laughs> us. We hope that you are getting outside and enjoying the spring and that you're being safe and you're taking care of each other and especially taking care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, who will? And then you can't take care of anybody else either. Yeah, that's all right. So sitting across the table for me is Cece. And across from me is JT. We hope that you are well and we hope you are fine. Take care of yourselves. Talk to you later. Bye. Have a great week.